0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast brought to you, as always, by SorrySports.com. Go ahead and check out the website. We're doing some updates right now. Episode 75, we're almost at the century mark, and we also had a birthday. Sorry Sports had a birthday back in uh, February. We forgot to celebrate it, so happy birthday to Sorry Sports. Um, Today, Sean and I jumped right in. We talked about the biggest news going around the world, and that is A-Rod and J-Lo's engagement. We had a long talk about that and how A-Rod turned around his career. After that, we moved into the NBA. We talked about the Celtics, Lakers. Obviously, they've been a huge topic the past couple weeks. Then we talked about Sean's Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, I was right. Then we made some NBA Finals predictions. You might not expect what I said. Following that, we talked about college basketball as we go into the tournaments. Coming up, we talked about the top 25 and all the big conferences. Then we talked Yankees and MLB spring training. Finally, we talked about NFL news as there was some big news this past week for the Jets, the Giants, and for the NFL as a whole. So hope you guys enjoyed this one. Follow us on Twitter, at SorrySports. On Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Email us, SorrySports at Yahoo.com if you have anything to say. And as always, check out the website and enjoy the pod.
1: Everybody, welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We're here for a Monday rundown. Uh, sorry we only got one out last week, there was a lot of news. Um, but it was a busy week, and now we can kind of like go over everything now. So, Tom, what's going on, buddy? How are you?
0: What's going on, man? How are you? Um, Selection Sunday yesterday, we're definitely gonna have to put something out for that coming up. Probably, we'll probably release it tomorrow morning, probably record it later tonight. We're gonna have a bracket um going out there into the world a sorry sports bracket that you and i are going to have to collaborate on so that one should be an interesting argument between you and i
1: i'm looking forward to it because i think we're going to have some differences and opinions um, well
0: i'm picking st to one at all so we probably well should. of
1: course well then all right then you know what how about this you do your own bracket i'll do my own okay i'm not in, i'm not in agreement with that they got to get through that first game first bud
0: yeah, that that's true. I'm I'm nervous about that one, but Arizona State, although they had a good record, it was a Pac-12 record. Let's not Pac-12 forget Pac-12
1: record. Yeah, exactly. It's Pac- Hey, that's the conference of champions, man.
0: My bad. My bad. <laughs> All right, so let's All right, jump right so in. a
1: lot of news happened last week. Um, and you know we could have done an emergency pod. We had some stuff going on. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's it's good to just kind of talk about everything that happened and just do. Almost like buffet style. So let's get into the biggest news. And in any other week, it would have been Le'Veon Bell signing with the Jets. But I can't believe I'm saying this, man. We got to get to that later because Odell Beckham Jr. is no longer a New York Giant.
0: This is insane, man. Can you honestly, as a Giants fan, as the resident Giants fan on the podcast, can you believe this, first of all, before we jump into any of the numbers, how you think the Giants are going to look, can you believe this?
1: You know, I can. There had been rumblings kind of all off season. I mean, Jay Glazer of Fox, you know, reported earlier on in the off season, uh, basically right after the Super Bowl that he was hearing that the Giants would be open to trading Odell Beckham Jr. if the right trade offer came about. Um, you know, it seems like this has kind of been swirling for the last year. Um, I wouldn't say I'm shocked, but I would say I, I was surprised because they just signed him to the 5-year, 90-million dollar extension last year.
0: Yeah, and, and between and that and now, drafting Shake, you know, you you think they're a win-now team and now it kind of I mean, obviously you were already questioning the drafting of Shake. I mean, this must make you question it a thousand times more, right?
1: Dude, I question everything about this regime right now. I mean, I don't I don't think that they have a plan and that is very troubling. You know, you like whether you're in teardown mode or win-now mode. I mean, we've seen with some of our franchises that we root for, I mean, most notably the Jets and Knicks, but, hey, the Giants are not exempt from this, and we've even seen the Yankees try to do it a, co- a couple times. Are you rebuilding or are you Retalling. going to win? Yeah. Yeah, or are you trying to win? Because, you know, you can say what you want about Odell Beckham Jr. He has his issues. He's a distraction. He's He does things that aren't always the best optic, but he's not Antonio Brown. He didn't pull any of that. All indications are he's a tremendous teammate, and everybody loves him. You can't tell me that the Giants are a better team without Odell Beckham Jr.
0: No, and, and, I know, and the I stats know will back fans, it up. I mean, oh yeah, listening, I to, giant, listening to listening yeah. to ESPN New York yesterday, I mean, Eli's completion percentage goes down like ten percentage points when Eli when uh when Odell Beckham doesn't play. Their wins go down. And, I mean, their air yards go down. Everything, every positive stat that the Giants have to offer and that a quarterback goes by goes down when he, right. when Odell Beckham doesn't play. And, I mean, the thing that you're going to miss more than anything, I think, is the, his patented play. Just the fact that Eli can throw a, a, you know, a 12-yard slant route and he can take it to the house like one out of well, every ten times. We saw that in times.
1: 2016 on that 11-5 team. I mean, that, that was the first signs of – Eli's decline and the offense being really poor uh they went 11 and 5 that year because their defense and the fact that Odell Beckham Jr. did exactly what you just highlighted I can remember that game against the Ravens the game against the Eagles the game against the Browns in Cleveland he had a couple of those 12 yard completions and then running it another 60 so you know what I want to think about here though is you know some Giant fans who let's just talk about the fact that he's gone and then we'll get into the trade You know, some giant fans are referencing the Jeremy Shockey trade and the Tiki Barber retirement. It's not the same thing, all right. Jeremy Shockey was a cancer in the locker room. He was really bad for Eli Manning's career development, and the Giants recognized that and moved on. You know, Tiki Barber retiring, it was well documented that he didn't believe in Eli, and I don't think it was much of a surprise that once he retired and and left, Eli had a lot more comfort. Able to run the offense, you know those guys obviously were singular talent. Yeah, and right after Tiki Barber, the Giants were great. But Odell Beckham Jr. is not one of those guys. He's a great teammate on all accounts. Yeah, he does things with the kicking net and some of the celebrations. You know me, man. I've always complained about the celebrations just simply because you're costing your team 15 yards on a kickoff. You can't do that. That actually does hurt the team. The other stuff doesn't hurt the team. Um. I understand his act is is not the best of optics, and I, I've gotten tired of it too, but let, let's not sugarcoat this. The Giants are not a better team o, with Odell Beckham off. And this is a major concern to me because last year, I've said it on the pod, You know, everybody listening knows that I've said this, and, and you agreed with me, I believe. Last year at this time, before signing him to the extension, Cleveland held the number one and four picks in the draft. The Giants had the number two pick, and the Jets had moved up to three. You trade Odell Beckham for the number four pick straight up. What that allows you to do is draft your quarterback at two. So, you know, if you if you play, you know, a the predetermined outcome, the Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield one, the Giants take their quarterback at two, maybe your baby boy Darnold's wearing Giants blue instead of Jets green. The Jets are definitely taking a quarterback at three, even if it's the third best quarterback in the draft, because they moved up specifically to draft a quarterback. And then the Giants draft Saquon at four. And there you go. Now, Odell's gone. You don't have to worry about paying him. You get your quarterback of the future. You get your star running back. And instead, they said, no, we're going we're gonna to hold on to Odell and sign him, and then we're going to draft Saquon. And it really made me believe, and I want to get your take on it too, bro. It really feeds into my conspiracy theory argument of last year, 2018, was an olive branch year to Eli. And John Mara, the owner of the Giants, stuck his fingers in and said to Gettleman and Shermer upon their hiring, you guys can do whatever you want in year two. But every decision that you're going to make in this offseason, including the draft, free agency, and extending Odell, is going to be made to help Eli Manning win games.
0: No, and- there, you have no argument here. And then, I mean, this really screws them over because not only do you obviously not have Odell Beckham, but you're paying, I think it's like $33 million to players that aren't on your team right now? It's disgraceful. It's, yeah. it's bad. It's really bad, man. It's, it's, yeah, no, there's it's, no it's other terrible. way to put it
1: no there, there isn't and that to me it shows that the incompetency and now I'm hearing that they don't like Haskins and that they're not even really entertaining the thought of drafting him and I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback I'm hearing another report that came from um uh Rappaport of NFL Network saying that they would use the sixth overall pick on the best available player so probably a defensive lineman that gets passed up by any of the first five teams and then using the number 17 pick on a quarterback like drew locker or, or daniel jones and i hate that because i don't i'm not a big fan of either of those guys Locke i like more than jones but again you're saying that you're going to use the 17th pick on a quarterback why not use the sixth and you get a better continue... prospect and... Yeah, you can't continue to you can't continue to tell me i'm talking about gettleman that you don't like any of these quarterbacks from last year or this year. At some point, you have to like a quarterback, or else you just don't know quarterbacks. Yeah, and that's concerning because Gettleman drafted Cam Newton. That was about as obvious as you could possibly get. So I don't—he doesn't have a track record of drafting quarterbacks or really knowing quarterbacks. Now, Shermer, I trust, but it's going to be Gettleman's decision. So
0: sounds I like he wants to draft Cam on. Newton.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Good luck, dude. I just don't know what I don't. I don't know what they're doing. So, uh, obviously, Odell's gone. Uh, I'm going to remember his time in New York is bittersweet. I think I would have loved to see the Giants win with him. I think it would have been awesome. I could see him making a couple huge plays in the Super Bowl. Obviously, the one big game he did play in was, you know, post-boat trip, uh, Lambeau Field, uh, NFC uh, Wild Card game. He had a couple drops, well-documented, did not play a good game. But that was his first postseason game. Uh, I would have looked forward to seeing him play in some more, especially in New York City. But, you know, now the Giants get Jabril Peppers, who they liked a lot in the 2017 draft. Local kid. Um, kind of your poor man, Landon Collins, but he's a he's a very good player, and he'll help, help them in the punt returns game, too. They got the 17th overall pick. We'll see what they do there. At least now they have two top 20 picks this year. Hey, maybe they, they got could trade up. Rounder. Maybe
0: they're bluffing, yeah. and they could trade up
1: very very possible and then they got the um the third round pick and they didn't have a third round pick so i'm not going to say this was a horrible trade they could have done a lot worse they could have been in pittsburgh situation where all you get is a third and a fifth but they um i don't think it was equal value and And now now it turns out that it uh, that it was said that san francisco was not willing to trade the number two overall pick and if they didn't trade that number two overall pick there was really no reason to do a deal with San Francisco, in my opinion. So they probably took the best deal possible and did what they could.
0: Well, here's my thing. Um, before we jump into the Giants' free agent signings and then we move on to the best team in New York, the best football team in New York or New Jersey, and that's oh the Jets. Oh, my God,
1: that's so scary.
0: Um, but it's true. Could you even argue it? No. Right um, now,
1: and you'll hear when we talk about the Jets, I love everything you your team's been doing.
0: Um, But... The thing that's scary is it's not the trade because it wasn't equal value, but it wasn't it wasn't a complete fucking bomb of a trade. We'll have to see what they actually do with those picks, but it is just the last I would say what since they hire since Tom Coughlin retired or whatever he did, the decisions that they've made and it's capped off with this trade are scary. They don't it just looks like they're throwing shit out the wall and hoping something sticks because. They they don't have a clear plan at all, and trading O. Oh, this could be a crippling move, and oh, that yes. that's what's that the fact that they're just not doing anything with a plan and looking at, at every single move individually that they've made between drafting Shake, trading Odell, re-signing Eli Manning, at starting Geno Smith, and benching Eli Manning, even though that was from a previous regime and trading Landon Col- not trading Landon Collins and letting him walk in free agency, all these decisions that they've made, they seem like singular decisions. They don't seem like they're put together to put together a Super Bowl team, and, and that's what scares me. They don't have a forward-thinking guy in their office. They don't have a guy with a plan, and that's honestly what I would be so nervous about as a Giants fan because they may be fucked for the next 10 years.
1: Hey, dude, uh, you you couldn't have said that better. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and that's that leads me to believe that you know, if two ownership or if two uh regimes rather are, are fucking things up that badly, I have to believe that Mara is who's really the only common denominator, is you know, in the ears of it was Jerry Reese and uh Ben McAdoo and now In the years of Gettleman and Shermer saying, we have to win for Eli, we have to win for Eli. You know, and, and it's and that's short-sighted and, and irresponsible to do. Like,
0: I mean, listen, it, you got to look at Eli's brother's situation. The Colts didn't believe he could play. They had the number one overall pick, and they went after Andrew Luck. It doesn't matter how great you are or what you've no, given your city. No, and that's a
1: little different, though, because you got to remember at that time, Peyton's injury was considered possibly career-threatening.
0: No, I and, agree with you, but at they, the same and time—
1: And there has not been a quarterback— prospect Eli's sucking Eli's
0: sucking has been career threatening as well
1: right and the but the problem is is that if you look at that Colt team right that Colt team wasn't that bad they had a good offensive line they had a couple of pieces as far as skill positions are concerned and, and a solid defense they weren't Super Bowl contenders but you know luck takes them to the playoffs his first year the last year Peyton played they were a playoff team this Giants team has been just this disgustingly bad with an offensive line that easily you could say you know could have put Eli on suicide watch then you have uh, you know no defense really whatsoever to speak of over the last couple seasons and a running game that before Saquon got picked was just a, a barren wasteland like no none of none of those running backs worked so I don't think it's necessarily the same, although I see what you're saying. But I also understand them saying, listen, we're going to give Eli a shot. He still makes some plays. He had a good second half of this year. And my whole argument with Eli has never been they've got to commit to him for a couple more years. Write out the contract. Don't sign another veteran stopgap because that's not constructive. You have Eli play. You draft the heir apparent. I wanted him last year. Now, yeah, I want him again this year. They learn from Eli. If you win with Eli, that's great, all the better. If the season's going to shit or Eli's playing terrible, you have his successor on the bench ready to come in. That's how teams are built, man. That's how that's that's what you need to do to win. You can have all these great players. I mean, how much better could Jacksonville have been in 2017? They just were stuck with Blake Bortles. Like, that's if you don't have a quarterback you're not winning in this league. the Jets knew that they moved up to take the quarterback so yes I agree every decision has been poorly made all for the short term with no long-term future plans in mind and it's scary as a giant fan because I, I literally I everything I know from football about what they should what a team should do and what it shouldn't do I mean'm I'm, I'm constantly proven wrong with with what gentlemen and, and Shermer have been doing
0: yeah um so why don't we move on because i mean i'd just say yeah because i agree with you and there's really nothing else to say it's scary and i don't know where the giants are going to go from here but let's move on to their 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 main free agent signings that they made um this off season so first one is the biggest one and they signed uh wide receiver golden tate from the detroit lions to a and well
1: then philly filled, he was finished a year with i'm sorry
0: yeah he was traded to philly um i just remember him from detroit because he was actually good on detroit um <laughs> golden tate to a four-year deal what do we think of that one i mean he's obviously not odell beckham but he's a proven wide receiver in the league he's probably made a couple pro bowls don't know off the top of my head definitely a solid possession wide receiver
1: yeah the the, the four-year deal isn't as bad as it sounds because really all the money is coming to him in the first two it's a two-year so,
0: deal come on
1: yeah exactly this is the nfl uh, Again, though, I don't get it. Like, are you, are you trying to still win, or are you trying to tear it down? Like, Golden Tate's a nice wide receiver. He's fine. He didn't do anything for Philly last year, but he's a, he's a good wide receiver. You could do a lot worse. But why, why don't you just keep Odell Beckham Jr., then?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, that's what I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't really
1: get it. Like, this feels like— Was Odell you know, that bad
0: it, in the locker room? Like, I, I, that's what I don't get. Did he want out that badly?
1: No, he didn't want out at all. He said he was blindsided by the trade. So, I I mean, it's kind of like, remember in 2016 when the Yankees traded Miller and Chapman, but they were still kind of alive in the playoffs and they couldn't completely say no. So they, like, reacquired uh, Tyler Clifford and Adam Warren. And, like, yeah, obviously they're they're not Chapman and Miller, but at least they're competent major league relievers and they could close a game or set up a game. That's how this feels. Yeah, this but the, like, difference well, we between, Odell, the
0: difference between the difference between that and the Yankees, the difference between that and the Yankees is the Yankees also got Glaber Torres, Clint Frazier, this, that, and the third for him and the right. the Giants got a bag of shit basically, and they're also paying the guys the guys still that they got rid of.
1: No, you're 100 percent right. It wasn't a perfect analogy, but it was more just like okay, I was trying to equate it to why are you signing another you know wide receipt uh, uh, a legitimate wide receiver. I mean, like, I like. I,
0: I like the signing, but this just goes back to the Giants don't know what the fuck they want to do because, I mean, they're totally half pregnant. I mean, are we going to suck this year? No, we're going to go sign Golden Tate. Okay, well, why didn't you just keep Odell? None of of the signings that they have made make sense, period. I mean, I like Jabril Peppers. I don't think he's nearly the player that Landon Collins is. He's a different type of player. I, I like Golden Tate as a wide receiver, but he's not Odell Beckham Jr., so, what are the Giants doing? I mean, honestly, this may be one of the more disappointing off seasons that I've seen in a long time
1: yeah, it certainly is and and the and the sad part is dude, they haven't even gotten to the draft yet uh but yeah, and then they so the Tate you know he's a good player and he'll make some plays, and I think eli i I don't think they could tell Eli that they're not giving him anything because then why don't you just cut him and start Alex Tanney and go one in fifteen and then draft two him but It really feels like they don't know – they don't have a course of action and they're trying to just patchwork things together. And seeing how that's been done in a lot of other organizations, it doesn't really ever work out. So there's that. They did – obviously they got Jabril Peppers in the trade. They signed Antoine Bethea to a two-year deal. And now the Giants are trying to become Phoenix East because almost every single defensive player that they're getting uh, played in James Betcher's defense when the Cardinals – we're playing really good on defense uh, prior to his him leaving. say is a good veteran, uh, two year deal. He's going to step in and play the other safety position with Jabril Peppers. Um, a lot more cost efficient than having to repay pay uh, Landon Collins. But um, he's a, at least a decent player, and I feel better about that. Then they get um, outside linebacker Marcus Golden and they sign him to a one year deal. Again, former Cardinal coming off. Not a great year, but he was good under Betcher's system. So, um, you know, they're trying to strike gold with that. And that's really all they can do because they have no money. So, obviously, Zietler, they got in the trade. We discussed that last time. I don't hate every little of the, the personnel that they're bringing in, just I'm questioning the big picture. Like, are these good players? Are these guys that can help them win? Sure. But, Again, if your goal is to win, you don't trade Odell Beckham. So uh, it's, uh, you know. It's yeah, I'm, a, not, heads, I'm, I'm not crowd. concerned
0: about any of these signings individually. It's just, I mean, I already recapped from when Tom Coughlin was forced to retire. It's nothing makes sense and everything is a singular decision as opposed to putting a bunch of decisions together to win a Super Bowl. And that's what's scary. Right. I'm and not mad at any of these decisions individually, I'm mad at the culmination of all of them.
1: Totally agree, man. And and that's the thing is I I don't think that they want to admit that Eli. It's time to move on, and we and we, you know, not right now. Let him finish up his his contract, and that's fine. But you have to have a next plan. Every single time they say, "Oh, we believe he's got a couple more years left," scares the shit out of me because I think they genuinely believe that,
0: and that's. I, I don't know who believes it, but. They should just well, hire me and you Reece, off the street. Reese
1: did, and now Gettleman does, unless he's getting marching orders from John Mara. Uh, so it's just like, are you are they watching?
0: Out of- are they watching the same games as me? <laughs> or, are I, think, they, I don't know.
1: I think they're over apologists, man. And you know, for me, as I'm, am as much of an Eli apologist as everybody, as anybody. Like I. I don't believe he's the main reason that they've been losing, but you can't tell me that he's not a reason that they're losing.
0: No, he's Every- definitely a reason that they're losing, but if you're an Eli apologist, then put the fucking team around him that's going to win. Like just because you give Eli what he wants and you give him his bag and you give him his $5 million roster bonus, well why don't you give him some offensive line help? Why don't you not fucking force Tom Coughlin out? Why don't you why don't you not trade the best wide receiver in football aside from maybe Antonio Brown? Why don't you not get rid of your best defensive player, Landon Collins, like none of this shit makes sense?
1: no, it doesn't and i can't I can't for the life of me, try to sit here and hypothesize a bunch of different reasons why they're doing these uh, the you know second, you can't it
0: figure like, it out because it doesn't make any fucking sense
1: <laughs> It doesn't. The only thing is it looks like Gettleman wants to now put his his imprint on this team it It looks like last year, honestly, man. Tell anybody can tweet at us, you know, do whatever, I'm sorry, sports. email us, and say how wrong I am about, you know, Mara and making these decisions. But you can't tell me otherwise. I really, I don't see the argument. Because there's no way two different groups of GMs and head coaches can continually be, you know, mis, misinterpret a roster this much.
0: Yeah. So I, now it I, looks no like argument. Gettleman
1: wants to, fi- is finally being able to put the, team that he wants on the on the field um, without without Mara's sticking his fingers in the in the cookie jar and now we'll see if those decisions are right or wrong but I'm not feeling too confident anyway that was very depressing way to start sorry I'm even more depressed than I was before and now I have to relive this but I can't believe this man and you said this before there's a team in New York who plays football that looks like they're going to be pretty damn good Your New York Jets had themselves a first week of free agency.
0: Man, aside from Barr kind of uh, pulling the rug out from under us or whatever you want to call it, uh, would you consider it the perfect week? I don't think you could have done much better. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, capping it off with the signing of Le'Veon Bell, obviously you get a good – we're going to talk all about every signing, but Mosley, Crowder, Henry, and then obviously you traded for the big offensive lineman out of Oakland to start this whole thing off. I'm I'm ecstatic. I, I don't even know. I'm the opposite of you right now. I, I am so fucking fired up. And it feels so good that you are sad and I'm not.
1: You're an asshole and a bad friend. <laughs>
0: Listen, so... But you so, know what? You, I've you should be. I've, you I've should suffered be. long enough. And why don't we start off with a big signing? So the Jets went out and got Le'Veon Bell, who said that it would cost like a, million, a billion dollars last year to get him. Uh, and he would never play for the Jets. And look, you now he's in green, so... He's, he came over to uh, came over to the dark side with the Jets. Four-year deal, 52.5, $35 million guaranteed. What do we think of that deal?
1: I think it's tremendous. They didn't have to pay him that much, and I was always subscribing from this mindset of, listen, you spent two years trying to get this much cap space. If you have to overpay for a guy like Bell, then do it. And they didn't even have to.
0: No, not at all and most of those are in the first two years as well
1: signing you you got you got the best possible safety net for a young quarterback that you can possibly get
0: oh absolutely i mean he's one of the best he's the best running back in football most likely especially looking at todd Gurley, the way he broke down last year well don't don't
1: don't forget about saquon now
0: of course you know shakes my guy but we're not talking about the giants because they're a minor league football team at this point maybe they should go over the aal whatever the fuck that league is called um And he's also can spread out wide, and he's one of the better wide receivers in football. I mean, it's incredible. I'm just, I got to get the Le'Veon Bell jersey. I got to hop on Ally Express after this. I I really need to get it. (laughs) Um, But aside from that, I mean, we know that's huge, and we know how big that can be. They also go out and get a linebacker in C.J. Mosley, who's an absolute stud. And yeah, I'm he's not. going
1: to be the captain of your defense. Uh, you know, with the exception of Jamal Adams at the safety position, now you have a guy who is a legitimate top-tier linebacker. Not a guy that, not a guy that can kind of play linebacker or is more of a safety hybrid type. He is a legitimate NFL linebacker, and him and Rob Ryan's defense, or uh, Rob Ryan, Greg Williams's defense, is going to be special.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then they go out and get a guy who, went healthy, Jameson Crowder. I think is a pretty good slot receiver. How do you feel about that one?
1: I th- I feel great about it. Again, I mean, he's he's been with the Redskins, and he's he, he was really, especially when Jordan Reed was hurt, the only threat offensively that the that the Redskins had, and he's made a lot of big plays. He he's a very good possession wide receiver. He's not a type to take the top off the. Off the uh, defense wide receiver But now you put him with With your Le'Veon Bell as your hybrid Running back wide receiver Then you also have Quincy Anunua And you have Robbie Anderson who is your vertical Thread and you have Curse These are wide receivers that know how to hold On to the ball, can make big Plays and just another Weapon for Sam Darnold And That's what this whole offseason Has been about really, listen the Jets Have holes that they need to fill but I'm thinking right now, if everybody's healthy, I look across the AFC, I think this is a team that can very easily contend for a playoff spot.
0: Oh, stop, stop. I, I'm wearing a nice pair of pants today. But,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> but tell me I'm wrong. No,
0: you are not wrong. And I mean, I mean listen, they, they're, they're, they're going to get a wild card.
1: card. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna address the offensive line in the draft, whether it's trading the number three pick back out for more picks, whether you're taking somebody, you can find a good offensive lineman, particularly in this draft in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth and, and seventh rounds. Maybe they're not going to be to the level of, you know, your number one or two guy taken. It might not be Joan Williams,
0: but, but they could be starters.
1: They could be starters. And there's always still going to be trades that are made. There's still plenty of guys out there on the free agent market. The Jets still have plenty of money. And they're going to beef up their defense. I mean, their secondary is already good. Now they have C.J. Mosley roaming, roaming the linebacker in court. And then you're going to have, get to find yourself maybe a top-tier pass rusher at three. Or even if you trade back to six or seven. Yeah, a Josh Allen, you know, and Williams.
0: And like, they went out and got a, uh, another big defensive lineman to help out um, Leonard Williams and Henry right? Anderson as well. So. Listen, perfect, perfect week and a half for the Jets. I, I can't ask for anything more than that. It was a great start no. with the trade for the left tackle out of Oakland, and they capped it off with signing Le'Veon Bell, and everything in between was amazing. I, I have zero complaints. And, you know, their, their GM's really starting to I'm really starting to get on my good side. He's welcome on the pod.
1: <laughs> McCagnon, you, you heard it first, come to Sari Sports, especially around the draft time. But, yeah, I mean, the thing that you like about what your Jets are doing, dude, is they have a plan. You know, they they actually got a head coach, and I know you were not a big fan of it when it first happened, and even I was a little skeptical, but let's think about it in the big picture. You got not only an offensive head coach who's known for working with really well with quarterbacks. Like, I'm not going to kill him for not working out with Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler's corpse, and Ryan Tannehill, who just got traded for a seventh-round pick to be a backup. He when he had Peyton Manning, Peyton said that he was a major reason why he was his his Denver career was revitalized. And then, now you have him with a 21 year old former number three pick in the draft, youngest starting quarterback in the league. And then, so you feel great about that. He has head coaching experience, even in the division, and any kind of head coaching experience is good. And then on top of that, every move you're making is to make Darnold better by giving him weapons that the Jets didn't really have last year and beefing up the O line. Like that though that's smart. They have a plan. They're building around their franchise quarterback instead of doing the typical Jets thing, which is hiring another defensive guy who doesn't know the quarterbacks. You gotta feel so good. And you have Greg Williams on the defensive side. He he has former head coaching experience. He'll figure out his defense. Gase doesn't need to even bother with that. And he can just dedicate all his time in these new weapons to Darnold. I would be ecstatic about the Jets. Oh, and you have the number three overall pick in the draft where you can literally do anything you want.
0: And not to mention the Jets are literally doing what is the new plan, which is get a young quarterback, go to the Super Bowl while they're on their rookie deal, and pay other people quarterback money, which is what I've been saying since Russell Wilson.
1: Mm hmm.
0: I yes, mean, everything's going the right way for me right now, Sean. I. I need the Yankees to win a World Series. I need the Knicks to keep tanking. St. John's made the tourney. Things are really looking up. They I'm, really I'm proud
1: are. Of, I'm, I'm proud of you, buddy. Thank you. You, sh- you sound really happy. You know the Machado thing didn't work out. No, oh, whatever. Really upset about that. But now, but you're good. You turn the page, and there's some optimism in your life. I'm happy for you.
0: Manny's in San Diego. You know why? I'm because in York, I, am, so. I You know
1: why? Is because I'm a good friend.
0: Thank you, buddy. Thank you. I'm still happy that the Giants are in a fucking free fall right now. And that it doesn't look like there's bad any friend. stuff. Thank you for showing us what a good friend and a bad friend is. I appreciate that. But let's move on to uh, around the league, and we'll go over some of the top free agents signing. We'll just run it down, say, see how we feel about them. We don't have to do it for too long. But So the first one, and we'll talk about, obviously, the quarterback first. We saw this one coming from a mile away. Wasn't too much of a market for him out there. We knew the Jaguars were going to be in marriage with him quickly Nick Foles, the Jaguars, I guess you want to say, uh, backed up the Brinks truck to him four years, $88 million, and they cut ties with the legend himself, Blake Bortles.
1: <laughs> yeah, Big Dick Nick is now a Jaguar.
0: Let's go, Big Dick Nick. I, I love Thanks. this move for both sides. I mean, Nick wants to be a starter, and the Jaguars needed a serviceable quarterback, and they definitely got one that can actually make some plays, and he's also, I don't know, maybe won a Super Bowl? Yeah, that helps.
1: Um those kind of guys don't become available all that often, dude. No. I mean the the Eagles obviously we're not gonna obviously we're not gonna move on from Wentz. Um, so, just once you heard that he, Foles was going to become a free agent, Jacksonville made all the sense in the world. They're still a really good team with a good nucleus of young talent. I think they need to get another receiver or two. But you, if it doesn't work out, you can't fault them. I mean, this is the guy they had to get good situation for Foles, too you go to a division that's not all that great um, and you're gonna be playing you're gonna be playing with your for your old offensive coordinator in uh, D Filippo so that you got the familiarity there I think it makes a lot of sense for both parties like you said and uh, I think he's gonna have a good year I think Jacksonville's gonna have a good year
0: only thing that's crazy about this is he was like 10 minutes from retiring before they convinced him to come back to Philly it's just it's insane how this went for him
1: it really is it really is and you hear stories like that um he's on all accounts just a great guy great teammate and i think if you were to we've already heard rumblings of it some of the eagles players would have rather them keep him they just played different last year now i think wentz was still hurt i don't think he really was feeling his best and and but you're you're messing up the chemistry and they if, if they if uh Alshon Jeffrey doesn't drop that pass in the Superdome. You're talking about maybe another Eagle run to an NFC Championship or a Super Bowl again. Like he was playing so well from weeks 13 on to get them into the into the playoffs, and it certainly wasn't his fault that they that they got eliminated. So great signing by Jacksonville and, and good move for him.
0: All right, so let's move on to a couple more signings. So the Chiefs the Chiefs went out. They cut Eric Berry loose, but they signed uh, the Honey Badger. And he went for three years, $42 million. That's obviously Tyron Matthew, if you didn't know that. And they picked up former Jacksonville and Cleveland Brown, Carlos Hyde. And 49er, I guess.
1: That's right. And I forgot about that. <laughs> good, uh, both good signings. I mean, obviously, I think, I think Tyron Matthew is, is a better player than Eric Berry, only because Eric Berry's hurt a lot. Um, and he, we haven't seen him put together... A sustained level of healthy success in in a while now. Uh, obviously, his singular talent is is unquestionable, but Matthew is one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in the game. So, so you get him, and then I think anytime you can expand upon a running game that they needed, they're going to have to take care of now, especially with
0: Kareem Hunt being in Cleveland Kareem and Hunt also being, being suspended eight and, games,
1: and just you know they. Another running back doesn't hurt, and I could see Hyde. You know, he's not dynamic. He's not tremendous, but he's a good, solid running back, and, he, and he'll probably play well for it.
0: Solid between the, the tackles. I think Damian Williams is going to be their starter after exploding when Hyde went out. I mean, uh, when uh, Kareem Hunt went out. But he'll be a nice guy to to run in there with the rotation. Uh, moving on to the next one.
1: Well, what'd you, real quick, what did you think about this, signing? Did you think that that was a good move, or should they have kept Derek Perry?
0: Um, I think that they, uh, Eric Berry's coming off an Achilles and that's a tough injury to come back from. Not to mention he did, uh, he beat cancer and he was, he was honestly looking really good to start the year. And that torn Achilles was tough for him, but I think it was a great signing. I think Mathieu, honestly, all things aside is just a better player at this point in his career. Yeah, I agree. Um, but moving on to the next one, another safety signed Eric Weddle, two years, $12.5 million deal, and the Rams went also ahead and re signed Dante Fowler. Both huge moves for me. I think Fowler, obviously, he was what, a top 10 pick a couple years ago. I think he can be a really good pass rusher, especially with Do- um, Aaron Donald there. And nice. um, thank you. Thank you. And I really like Eric Berry. I, I think he's a great safety, and I think the. Uh, Eric Weddle. Sorry, Eric, Eric Weddle, and I think the you know, mean with names, and I think. Well, we
1: did just talk about Eric Berry. I can't really shit on. You yeah, yet.
0: give me a little credit there. Give me, give me a little. Pump the brakes on that, and um, I think <laughs> that I think that the Ravens should have never let him go. Honestly.
1: I don't either. That was questionable to me. I mean, although when we move on down the line and we see who they did end up signing, I think that that's pretty much what they had envisioned, and then you know, Weddle became. A casualty there, but he lands in a great place. You know that that Wade Phillips' defense in, in L.A. is is a great defense, and like you said about Fowler Jr., you know he was kind of a bust, and they traded for him, and he had a pretty good postseason run there for for the Rams. So I think that they're just going to continue to have that really solid defense and that terrorizing pass rush. Even though I don't believe that they'll retain and dominican they still have Donald, and they still have um, and they still have Fowler now. So I think they're in good shape.
0: Next up is your Oakland Raiders signing signing the tackle Trent Brown to a record-setting sixty-six million dollar deal. I said yes, I did. Your Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. How do you feel about that?
1: My Oakland Las Vegas Raiders.
0: Yes, yours. You you were back on the John Gruden train. I don't know if you remember. No, married. I
1: was just I, I was just saying like maybe maybe we got to give him a little bit of a break. I mean, he he got Antonio Brown for a third and a fifth after trading Amari Cooper and getting a first, you know, like maybe he wanted to put his footprint on that team and just say, you know what, I'm, I'm coming in and I'm going to do everything. And we're going to get rid of these guys and these guys. Listen, Tr- Trent Brown, what we, what he did in new England. I mean, he was a force and, and major reason why Brady was hardly ever touched. Um, Derek Carr needs a lot of protection. So, He's been hurt. He's been battered. He has not had a good offensive line. And Trent Brown's going to stabilize that. At least they believe so. So, hey, listen, seeing how the Giants had to overpay for Solder last year, that left tackle position is incredibly important. And they might have happened to given him a little bit more than they wanted to, but that's that's one of the top four positions on the field. And um, he's been very good in New England, so I expect him to be good in Oakland.
0: So the Jets just signed a left guard out of Minnesota, Tom Compton. Um, just wanted to give a little breaking news on the pod. So they are, they are beefing up that offensive line. I, again, can't be mad. Cannot be mad about no, that. No, you cannot. Nope. All right, so let's move on to the next deal. This one might hurt your heart. Landon Collins going to the Redskins for a six-year, $84 million deal, 45 milli guaranteed. So they really dropped the bag on him.
1: Dude, this doesn't hurt my feelings at all. <laughs> This is not – listen, if this is the kind of money that was going to be necessary to keep Landon Collins with the Giants, thanks but no thanks. That's, that's an incredible commitment to, to a really, really good player. But, again, you heard me on the pod last week and everybody listening. I don't value the safety position nearly as much as some other positions. And when you're a team like the Giants that has a lot of holes to fill, Landon Collins is is not going to be the reason that they're really great or really bad. And if he's getting that kind of money, I mean, this was such a Redskins signing. Like, the Redskins love poaching former Giants, and they love these kind of signings because the only way they can possibly get guys to go there is by throwing an insane amount of money. I mean, they got Josh Norman. Everybody made a big deal about it when that happened. How good have they been with him? You know, Collins is going to be a great player. He's going to make a lot of huge plays for them. But this did not hurt my heart. If this is what it was going to take for him to stay in the Giants, I would have been losing my shit if the Giants signed him to this deal. So
0: Very true. I guess, I guess you're better off uh, losing him and getting Jabril Peppers. So, I would have
1: rather, it's again, his whole situation with man. is they didn't trade, they didn't get a third rounder for him from Kansas City last year when they were 1-7. Yeah.
0: You know? Well, that goes back to your genius front I mean. office. Um. So let's move on to the Buffalo Bills, and they went offense crazy here. They signed John Brown, Cole Beasley, the ageless Frank Gore, and Mitch Moore, who's a center. I mean, that, that's fine by me, just getting Josh Allen some weapons out there and some protection. I like those moves. I like the moves
1: a lot. I, I think that they see themselves right up in the same situation as, as your Jets. Like They've they drafted a young quarterback who they believe is going to be the quarterback of their future. They You have to put weapons around him. John Brown's a really good wide receiver. Had a nice year with, with Baltimore last year. Obviously, Cole Beasley has had a very nice uh, career in Dallas. I'm happy he's gone. I, I really, like, I terrorize the Giants. And um, a really good possession guy who can run out of the slot. You get a center, uh, an established center. And listen, Frank Gore wants to continue to play. He still averages like 4.2 yards per carry. Like
0: He's trying to break any- records.
1: Anybody would be happy to have Frank Gore on their team. So I I think Buffalo and the jets are two teams that kind of jockeying for position to see who's going to be ready to overtake new England when they, when they finally fall off. And, uh, they both had tremendous off seasons.
0: All right. So the next one, and you mentioned the Ravens recently, and you also mentioned their safety that they let go. Eric Weddle, um, they went out and got Earl Thomas. Uh, I think he had what was his injury this year? Flipping off the sideline was that an Achilles as well?
1: No, it was the. Um, I don't believe so. I think I think it was a. I think it was a. I think it was a fractured leg. Yeah, I yeah. Believe he broke his leg. So that could be wrong. That's
0: actually but. easier to come back from. From what I've heard, than a uh, than an Achilles injury, but. They went out and got him for a four-year, fifty-five million dollar deal, thirty-five million guaranteed. So, kind of looks like that Le'Veon Bell contract. And they also went out and got uh, Mark Ingram, who can be another nice, a nice running back to go with that running back core of Collins and a few other guys. Well, Collins Three is years. gone
1: now, man. Collins got Collins is cut.
0: So oh, they, they cut his, him loose.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I guess that's got a. Got in trouble team. a little
1: bit and didn't play well towards the end of the year, and they, so they let him go.
0: All right. Well, they got Mark Ingram on a three-year, fifteen million dollar deal.
1: Hey, Ingram's been very good. He's a steady. I, I. He. He's not what he was, what a lot of people thought he was going to be when he came out of the University of Alabama. But he's been a really good NFL running back for for a long time. He's not going to have Kamara now, though. So we'll see. You know, if he's able to, uh, if he's able to be as good as he was in New Orleans the last few years with with Baltimore, but. I think he's going to play well. I mean, that gives Lamar Jackson a nice safety net too.
0: Yeah. So the final. As
1: for Earl Thomas, real fast. As for Earl Thomas, aside from Landon Collins, he was the best safety on the uh, on the market, and he's going to help. Weddle's a really good player, but he was older. Thomas is obviously, when he's healthy, the premier safety in this league, Uh, and they didn't have a lot of money to spend. And if you can get the best player in a position on a team that always prides itself on top defense, I think they're in a pretty good spot. I thought that was a great signing for them.
0: Yeah. And the last signing that we're going to go over throughout the NFL is the Terrell Suggs going back home to Arizona. He went to Arizona state and now he is a Cardinal on a one year deal.
1: Yeah. This feels like a homecoming deal. Like it's hard to imagine him playing, not in that Ravens purple, but um, this feels like he's going to be do you know, do this for one year or two years and then he'll retire.
0: All right, so let's move on to a couple of trades that went down. This one's a classic. Uh, I you could see this one coming from a goddamn mile away. Michael Bennett traded from the Eagles to the Patriots for a fifth-round pick. What? I mean, seriously, what else do the Patriots need? Just a, a good pass rusher. it's and not in the prime of his career, but he can still you know make moves out there. Yep,
1: yeah, and they lost uh, they lost Trey Flowers, who signed with the Lions. So they're just going to plug and play. I mean. I, I'm never gonna question anything they do. So that that was a good trade for them. They gave up nothing. I can't couldn't you see just Bennett having a year where he has like eleven sacks and, and is just re, and then has like a strip fumble in a in a Super Bowl and, and the Patriots win again.
0: Don't even mention it. All <laughs> right, so let's move on to the next trade. Deshaun Jackson goes back to his original team that he started with the Philadelphia Eagles for six round picks. So honestly I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just made, you know, the only deal that could be made or else they were going to cut him anyways.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And now I'm just fucking pissed I have to see him with the, with the Eagles and other. again. I'm still still PTSD from that from that punt return was that 9 years ago now?
0: That was that that one. I see those highlights all the time. That was incredible. Oh. All right, so D Ford was traded to the San Francisco 49ers for a second round pick and then he subsequently signed an extension immediately for 5 years eight. 87.5 million. We'll see how much that comes out to. I don't know what's guaranteed. That was a really it, good move in my opinion. It
1: was a really good move. D4s a great player. Um, obviously known for his offside laps that probably cost the Chiefs a chance to go to the Super Bowl, but he's a very very good player in that 49ers defense, if, you know, if they start if they go the way in the draft, which I think they're going to go, which is Nick Bosa, they're gonna—they're building up that defense, which has not been good. So you get a—you get a legit Pro Bowler, and then if you—if you get the best pass rusher in the draft, you're—you're uh, you're starting to build up that defense a little bit more.
0: Final trade—I don't really know how much this one matters, but it was a starting quarterback or a former starter, nonetheless traded. The Dolphins moved Tannehill to Tennessee for a seventh-round pick. So talk about just taking what you can get before you cut the guy. They—they they basically cut him.
1: The only reason I put this in the show notes is I just can't believe how how this guy has fallen. I mean that that this is one of those situations where you set your franchise back years if you strike out on the quarterback. Tannehill's has, has been what would you say average when he's played, but when has he played?
0: Yeah, I would say actually a little bit below average. Probably you know the twenty-first quarterback in the league. I I don't even know if yeah. I would put him there and. That's when he plays, and he's been hurt the last like three seasons almost every single game.
1: Right. So then you have the Titans, who want a better safety net for Mariota than Blaine Gabbert. So they get a guy that they think is obviously better. Another trade I didn't put in here, but just to keep the quarterback carousel going, Case Keenum got traded uh, from the Broncos, which you knew was going to happen once they got Flacco. um to the Washington Redskins because they don't have Alex Smith is ever going to play again and they don't have another quarterback so um you know the Redskins doing classic Redskins things like Case Keenum like wow and then did you Teddy Bridgewater decided to stay with New Orleans that was very interesting
0: yeah Um, that was kind of a back and forth because he was going to go to Miami it looked like it was all but just signed
1: right and then he decided he wanted to stay and be a backup so
0: Uh, maybe Sean Payne is sticking around
1: yeah, do you do you think that he either knows that Breeze doesn't have that much left? Because I think there was a two-year deal in which he signed. So do you think maybe he thinks that this is Breeze's last year, or do you think two is like, listen, I don't know how healthy I am, and I really like it here, and I don't really need to go anywhere else.
0: I think it's I think it's three things. I think maybe he's questioning whether or not Drew Breeze has a lot left in the tank. Although Drew Breeze had a really good year last year. That too, I think he wants some security, and then finally he must just Sean Payton must have said something to him like, "Hey, I'm sticking around. I'm not going to the Cowboys."
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, it was I was kind of, I thought he was all but gone, but I, you know, there's definitely something to all of what you just said. So, anyway, that was a lot of football to talk. I enjoyed it. Oh man, of course
0: I enjoyed it talking about the Jets in a positive note for the first time in a long time. Let's move on to some NBA now. They're actually playing that sport. First thing we'll talk about is the Russell Westbrook interaction. Um, listen, Utah has historically been kind of tough on the players when it comes to fans just being complete assholes.
1: That's a really nice way of putting
0: it. What, what, what's amazing to me is I've never been to Utah. I don't really ever plan to go to Utah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not in my top five of travel destinations, believe it or not. I don't know if you're shocked by that to t- for me to tell you that, but it's the truth. Uh, they, well, they just not, seem like nice mine, people. It's not
1: one of mine either, so we're, we're, on, we're in lockstep with that.
0: They, they just seem like really nice people. Aren't they, like, all Mormon out there and, and laid yeah. back? But, I don't know. Maybe they pump something into the air of that arena, but by all accounts, Utah is, like, the toughest place to play for for opposing players because people are just mean.
1: Yeah, apparently there's, like, underlying themes of racism and, you know, like, it's sometimes not even underlying, like, in this case. And, uh, yeah, very hostile. I mean, Westbrook, you know, say what you want about Westbrook, but he is not a guy that gets in trouble. Like, he, yeah, he's kind of got a temper on the court, but it's only on the court. And he never – he's a stand-up guy. He's never in trouble. And the only times that he's had any run-in with a fan was literally both in Utah, last year's postseason and then last week.
0: Yeah, and listen, I'm sure the fans said something heinous. I'm going to say wrong on both sides. Westbrook's got to keep his cool there and just tell security to get them the fuck out of there because you can't really be saying on camera with all these people around or in general, that you're going to beat the shit out of somebody and their wife. I mean, that's pretty bad. But again, I mean, fans need to show these people respect. They are people, like I said, so there's a certain line that you should just know not to cross.
1: Yes. I'm, I'm definitely going to go. I'm definitely going to agree with you, but it's, taking me longer to get to that conclusion because yes you know you're a professional athlete you have to know you're conditioned from a very young age especially if you're very talented you're used to being heckled you're used to having shit you know said at you derogatory whatever but there's certain things that in 2019 that you shouldn't have to hear
0: no and and i go back to one of them
1: and and to be fair man i mean you know we look at these guys like they're like they're heroes and they're great players, but they're not, you know, winning Nobel peace prizes. And if somebody were to go up to you and be like, get down on your knees, like you're used to, like, is that questioning your manhood? Is that, you know, if you're African American, does that have, you know, kind of slave undertones to it? Like, there's a lot of – certain things are going to set certain people off, and I don't think Westbrook was in the wrong for having that set him off. No, I not at all. Eyesight, I, you've got you've to keep your cool, but it's hard for these guys to keep their cool. You can't, you can't just sit there and take it.
0: No, not at all, and I don't think they should. And the more we talk about it, the more you think Russell Westbrook – I don't think he's going to be suspended and, and shouldn't be because if you look at it in any situation, let's say me and you were walking down the street and somebody said that to him. I'm going to expect you to beat that person's ass, maybe not hit his wife, oh, yeah. of course, or if we're at a bar and there's some drinking involved, I think then we're both going at it with the guy.
1: For sure. In any sure. situation
0: in life, that's just not right. And just because Russell Westbrook is a, is a professional athlete and you think you can say whatever you want to him and get away with it because, like we said, you need to act a certain type of way. You're on TV constantly. No, I I, I think this guy is completely in the wrong, and, and there needs to be some... I'm sure he's banned from the arena. We yeah, he,
1: him, him, and another fan from that incident got both got banned for life from that arena. Um, not just that, not just Utah games, but also, um, concerts and everything like that. And that was on the heels of the Dolan situation, which we could talk about that a
0: little bit a little bit later.
1: Yeah, we'll get into that. That's in A little bit, but yeah, that was. But seriously, man, I mean, this is this is bad. This is. It, I don't know. I mean, I do know. We, we, we go to games and, you know, we're going to get on somebody for striking out or, you know, uh, in, in whatever case, not performing because you're paying money and you want to you want to be entertained and you want to see you want to see entertainment and you want to see good production from the world's best at that at that uh, event. But you're not crossing the line, you know, like even if I think he got called a pussy, like he would have been fine. Like, that's no big deal. But get down on your knees like you're used to, and I think the biggest issue here, man, is in basketball the fans are too close. You don't have that in baseball. You know, you don't have that in football. You don't have it in hockey with the because you got the board, you got the glass. In, in 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 basketball, they're literally right on top of you, particularly in these arenas like Utah where they're they're basically there's no room even between the bench and the first row. So if you're paying top dollar, these people probably think that they have the right to say whatever they want, but the NBA has got to either change the way that the seating is, is being held or they, it just has to be a much stricter policy in, in place. Cause you can't be saying that you, like you said, dude, these are people, these are human beings. They have families, they have emotions. I understand nobody wants another malice at the palace because that was obviously one of the worst things that could possibly happen. But that, that was another incident. You know, fans are too close to the bench and players are going to hear something that's going to set them over the edge. And if you have, I actually give Westbrook credit for not jumping into the stands. I know I shouldn't be saying that, but that's, you're, you're heightened emotionally because you're playing a very intense game and then you get told something like that. So I'm glad the fan was, was banned. I wanted to get kind of your input on what you thought about the whole thing because, it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty big deal and understandably so.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you can say Russell could have handled it a little better, but I think he handled it appropriately for what was said to him, and I, I have no uh, no blame towards him. I said it earlier that I did, but I changed my mind. Fuck that. That guy's an asshole. Um, let's move on to some playoff pictures. So I'm going to go over the Western Conference first, just because. The Western Conference is pretty much set. The top eight teams are pretty far apart from the bottom whatever is left of it. So you have the Warriors at number one, surprise, surprise. The Nuggets at number two. My Houston Rockets at number three. Blazers at number four. Thunder have fallen out a little bit with Paul George getting hurt at number five. Spurs at six. Jazz at seven. And then the Clippers, who are probably the biggest surprise this year, at number eight. Did you see the
1: Clippers-Nets game last night? I did not. Clippers uh Lou Williams hit a hit a three at the buzzer to beat the Nets 119-116. Wow. They like, they they are they've done everything that they could to lose this year in tank and they just won't.
0: No, they the the players just won't let them. But the one thing I will say is the 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 fairy tale I guess of the Sacramento Kings making the playoffs ever since Bagley went out they're like 7 games back so that that's not going to happen.
1: No, that that was a tough that was a tough blow to them, but Hey, listen, their future is bright as long as Bagley gets back healthy. I mean, they, he's not Luka, but he's turned into a very, very good player. You feel really good about Darren Fox and Buddy Heald, and I think their future is bright.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll probably be in the top, what, six or six, seven, eight next year.
1: Yeah, they're a playoff team next year as long as they're healthy. I believe.
0: Yeah, so let's run down the Eastern Conference because things are things are a little bit closer there towards the bottom. The Bucks at fifty-two and fucking eighteen are obviously number Ooh. one. That's a good team Stop, right got there.
1: Beat, got beat by Philly last
0: night, though. Yes, they did. But, hey, it's one game. It's a regular season. Yeah. Next up, we got the Toronto Raptors, then Philly, then the Pacers, who are hanging around. And we thought they were going to start to free fall, especially when Olin Depot went out. We were trying to figure out when this was going to end. But, hey, they're still sitting there at number four. The Celtics should be nervous if they're the 4-5 the matchup because the Celtics are sitting at number five right now. But they're only one game behind the uh, the Pacers. Next up, we got the Pistons. Blake Griffin's probably having his best statistical season of his career. After that, we got your Brooklyn Nets at number seven. So you're looking pretty smart having them, uh, having them in the playoffs. And then the Miami Heat are rounding it out. I would like to see them or the Magic, who... Both have you the said same mend.
1: You You applauded yourself last week. Don't, I don't, I want
0: the Magic to make it over the heat, but I'm not going to be that mad cuz I would like to see Dwayne Wade go to the playoffs and is even though it's going to be a, you know, a four-game sweep in their in their last uh, in his last run, but the right, Magic well, are sitting right shit. there. I'm
1: giving you shit if the Magic if the Magic don't, don't make it. That's you're fine applaud yourself last week.
0: That's fine. Started. That one was just kind of like a, hopefully this fucking works out. And they're actually tied for the amount of wins. The magic just have played two more games and lost two more games than the heat. So they could still get in there. It's only percentage points. Um, what do you think about the playoff picture? I think it's pretty standard at this point. We know who's good. We know who's not. Um, I don't really know what else to say. I would be nervous if I was, if I was a Nets fan, but they've certainly started to turn it around a little bit.
1: Yeah, they they lost a really tough game in Oklahoma City last week where they were the better team for about really up until five minutes left, and then Paul George just went Paul George. Um, But that was the first uh, national TV game they've been on all year, and I I think a lot of fans who don't really know about the Nets got to see them and were kind of surprised. Um, They got blown out by, uh, by Utah the other night. Uh, that was to be expected. Utah is much better than the Nets. And then last night they lost a heartbreaker, as I just referenced to the to the Clippers. So they're zero three on this West Coast trip now. So now they've got they've got the uh, the Kings tomorrow. They got the Lakers, which should both be winnable games. Um, they're they're I'd like them to get the six seed, but they're right there with Detroit. They're unless they really go into a free fall, they're pretty much set being better than the eighth place team. So I think they're they're going to be set up for sixth or seventh unless they really just hit a wall and and can't find can't find a way to w- put together a couple wins.
0: All right, so let's move on to the final topic of the NBA that we have on the docket for today, and that is the New York Knicks. So I went to the Knicks Lakers game last night. Um, got to see Wyclef repor- perform. That was fun. Um, but aside from that. Tough game to watch, but it was a fun game to watch. The Knicks won on a uh, on a game saving block by Mario Hezonja. The place was going nuts for the last like minute and a half, which was a lot of fun. I actually looked at my girlfriend because the Knicks were down like ten, and I was like, "Shit, this is a game. We you should probably we should pay attention," you know. Um, but <laughs> but the things I'll take away is that first of all, the Knicks suck. Um, they really do, and, and Knox just looks absolutely lost out there. He had back-to-back threes, but aside from that, he really didn't do much. Um, Trier was fun to watch, but he easily gets in foul trouble. The biggest takeaway was LeBron had a typical LeBron game of 33, six, and eight, but it might have been the the worst 33-point game I've ever seen, ever. Really, I mean. Obviously, he got his points, he got to the line a lot, but he was just missing open jumper after open jumper, trying to take these clutch shots. Obviously, the final one got blocked by Hazonia, and it was a clean block. Um, but, I mean, jump shots, 20, you know, 20 footers, 15 footers, just hitting short. I don't know if it's because he's hurt, I don't know if it's because he's checked out, but... Aside from Kuzma, I did not like what I saw with the Lakers at all. I mean, the team's decimated. The Ingram's not playing. And he's got a really scary thing with that blood clot. Lonzo, I don't know what the hell is up with Lonzo. He's hurt every 10 seconds. But Kuzma is a really good player. I will say that.
1: Yeah, I think Kuzma is what he is. Um, I think he's a good player. I think he looks better because that team is really doesn't have any other talent on it other than LeBron. So I don't know how great he really is. I think he's more of like a sixth guy off the bench on a championship team as opposed to, you know, a, a real like building block piece, but um you know, I I I think the Lakers are obviously they're just waiting for the season to end. They they are not good. And then the, the Knicks like so what are you seeing? Obviously this roster could be totally different and if you, if you get what you want, then it will be in a couple months but what are you seeing from some of the young kids like you referenced how they played yesterday do
0: you um, think
1: Knox? are you still high on Knox? Or are you still high obviously Mitchell Robinson I'm stud. worried
0: I'm, I'm uh, Mitchell Robinson uh, I think is going to be here to stay he's he's bouncy he can block a lot of shots good for a couple dunks and he's not the worst shooter in the world he shoots good free throws I like Trier a lot better than I like Knox. And that's obviously taking into account everything. Trier was an undrafted free agent. Knox was what, the eighth overall pick or whatever they got him at. And yeah. Trier just looks like the better player right now. He looks like he knows who he is. Knox just looks lost out there. He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. Trier knows when he comes off the bench, he's instant offense. He's gonna handle the ball. He's gonna cross guys up. He's gonna he's gonna run the offense is gonna run through him. Knox. He, he kind of flows in and out of the game. There'll be two possessions where he's going to the bucket or he's popping threes, and then there'll be five straight possessions where you don't even know that he's on the floor. And that really worries me about him just because of the fact that, you know, if he got drafted later and he was on, let's say, Philly or something, okay, fine, he's a rookie, he doesn't know what he's doing, but this is your fucking team. You should be The offense should be running through you. You should be trying at least attempting to take games over. What else do the Knicks have? and he just looks like he's kind of floating out there, and that's what scares me about this guy.
1: I agree with you. I was interested to to hear what you had to say about him because the few Knicks games that I have watched or that I've tuned to, you know, I want to see how how the young team is developing and having been in the situation the last few years with the Nets when, you know, you're you're watching your team, that sucks. You know, you like to see the development of some of the young guys, and I the Knox thing is troubling. Now he's super young and anything can change, but you're right, dude, there's nobody else on that team. You know, I just, I just said how Kuzma has been really good. I don't know how great he really is, but at least he's putting up points and showing his value on a team that doesn't have much else around him. He can really demonstrate his value on that team. (laughs) Kevin Knox is not doing that. And yeah, Alondo Trier, really nice player. Undrafted free agent though. Like, Probably not from a skill set, and same with Mitchell Robinson being a second-rounder. I mean, you see Dotson, he's he's good. Like, Knox should be the bell cow. He should be the guy that's that, like you said, the offense is running through him. Um, the fact that it's not and that he's not aggressive enough or doesn't seem like he's really confident in, in his abilities is, is something that you don't feel too good about. What do you think about Dennis Smith Jr.?
0: Well, he didn't play, so I don't know. Okay. Um, I, you, I, have you I'm fine from him. Or no? I, I mean, I like his explosiveness. I, I don't really, I've, he makes a lot of bad decisions. I don't really see him as a true point guard. I'm just honestly, I'm just happy that this team has a three game lead on Phoenix for the worst record in the league.
1: You'll be fine. And really you just need to be one of the worst three because are you all have the same amount of, of percentage chances.
0: God, uh, just watching Zion. And obviously we're going to talk about that in our pod. That'll be up tomorrow. <sighs> I want him so bad, so bad.
1: Oh, he's he's amazing. Well, he did in the ACC. Are practice. you starting to
0: come a little bit closer to the side of I wouldn't trade him for Anthony Davis after watching him?
1: No, see, you're getting this whole conversation wrong. I, 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 would, I would absolutely not trade him for Anthony Davis. I was using your argument against you because you said Anthony Davis is a top one player.
0: Well, I guess I'm, I'm starting to sour on that. I don't you don't know. trade
1: top one players for anybody. I, I, I don't think Anthony Davis is a top one player. I think Zion is. So, yeah, I, I was I was in agreement with you. I was just playing devil's advocate because I got you caught in one of your arguments that you lost. Well, I, I have to say this.
0: I have to say this. Fuck your devil's advocate. Let's move on to some Yankee spring training. Because, <laughs> I mean, we don't really need to talk about any of the other teams before we do oh, our... real quick,
1: though. What do you think of Dolan?
0: Oh, oh my God. Jesus Christ almighty. First of all, I was telling everybody that I was... The only reason why I'm not trying to go hunt Dolan down and say the same shit to him, because I thought it would have been really good for the brand if I got banned from the garden, is is the fact that there's a hope for Zion, and I kind of want to go see him play in person, and I don't want to have to go all the way to Brooklyn to see him play. That was the only reason why I didn't say anything. But I just thought that was an absolute joke. (laughs) He's not welcome on the pod. The guy's a complete fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, Daddy gave him the team. I, I don't know what else to say. Maybe he's a good businessman in other aspects. He's got that whole thing out there with the forum. And just just sell the fucking team. Keep the garden. Make the acoustics better so that when, when you and your jazz band and Billy Joel and whoever else come to play – it sounds better. Fine. You're not a basketball fan. You're banning somebody for politely saying something to you. You're a fucking public figure. It's not like what happened to Russell Westbrook happened to you and you tell him to enjoy the games, to enjoy watching the games on TV. You know what? Fuck you. Fine. I'll save my money and I'll spend it somewhere else and I'll watch him on MSG. That's fine. That comes with my cable package. It just, it makes me sick. And the only reason why I didn't get banned was because fucking Zion might be on this team and maybe I'll want to go see him in person.
1: No, I I appreciate you having that restraint. That's very uh, that's very noble of you. Did you see the interview he did on the Michael Kay show?
0: I saw a little bit of it, and to be honest, I think that we should have a psychiatrist evaluate it because I he might just be fucking crazy.
1: Well, yeah, what I took from that is he's not fit that he, to own the team. He's not he's not selling the team. Um, he called Bill Simmons a liar, which is you know. I don't think there's anybody in NBA circles who's more respected than than Simmons than, you know, owning the ringer. I don't think he's going to make a reckless comment about something like that. No, we, really know we know it's true.
0: We know it's true. He's then, not going to go on record saying this shit unless he has some validation behind it.
1: Right, and all, and all that was said was, listen, if somebody gives him a really great offer. Five billion dollars. Like, yeah, like six billion dollars, seven billion dollars, because I think the Knicks are worth five. So Dolan said anyway somebody could offer him 10 and he's not selling
0: it. Oh, so stop it. Stop that's what it. he
1: said? That's what he said. I I think he's totally wrong and he's just trying to make a stand. You know, then he was talking about the whole Phil Jackson thing and how that was a disaster and he definitely knows how to play victim. Like remember when he went on after the Oakley thing, like he he said he was abused. He was saying that this guy was banned because he tracked him down and it was you know, stalkerish, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, that guy came to my building and made a point to chase me down. And Michael K did penalty. a good job
0: asking the questions on the interview. They but... all
1: did. I, I think that you know, we got to we got to remember that ninety eight seven is the home of the Rangers and uh, and Knicks. So a lot of people, you know, when Dolan, who doesn't do a lot of public interviews goes on that station and you know we're both fans of the show but i'm like listen i don't i'm sure they're going to ask him layups or it's going to be scripted and 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 rehearsed and you know what's off limits and what's not and they really went after him all of them did and i think for a lot of different topics and and including you know what sparked everything which was that altercation on sunday of last week and uh i thought they did a good job answering and, and it really like you said you need to get a you need to get a psychologist to come in and and, and uh, diagnose this guy, cause he really he really sounded delusional. And then he said, you know, yeah, no, we're 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 getting the, we're 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 getting free agents. And I, he said it with a lot of conviction that made me seem like obviously he can't tamper, but he knows that he's getting at least one of Durant and, or Kyrie. But then again, he really could just totally be blowing smoke out of his ass. I don't think he's a guy that's built up enough credibility.
0: No, not at all. So that's that's what has me worried. Is I mean, it's exciting that he says we're getting free agents, but who knows? He could just be talking out of his ass and whatever. So just all in all, just an absolute clown show. Um, just glad I didn't get banned, I guess. Yeah, good job by you. Thank you, thank you. But let's move on to a team that's actually going to be hopefully good this year, and that's the Yankees. We'll talk a little spring training before we leave you guys to our next pod, which is going to be the March Madness pod. Um, so the Yankees. Let's let's start talking about them here. First thing, and this is probably the most important thing. Severino's going to be out until May, and that is at the earliest with the shoulder inflammation.
1: Yep. So uh, obviously, what they're what they're saying with him is that it's inflammation, but they got to start him back from square one with his throwing program. So it's as if he's just going to get to spring training. His two weeks um, of treatment concludes uh, tomorrow. So then they're going to start him back up with baby steps, and obviously they're going to have to build him all the way up to the point where he's throwing 100 pitches, and that's if everything goes well. So you're looking at you know, maybe early, mid-May. Um, if, if they really want to be conservative, which would be good, that means they're playing well um, maybe around Memorial Day. They, um,
0: not good. Not good. No, it's not good. And they,
1: you know, they apparently, John Heyman reported that they've offered Gio Gonzalez a contract. Uh, terms have not been identified. And it sounds like that it's not a, 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 it's kind of a low ball contract, for lack of a better term. And Gio is not super crazy about it. But it shows that at least they're looking into other veteran options because right now you're looking at a starting five of Paxton, uh, Tanaka, Half and then two of the three of Sessa, Loaizaga, and Herman.
0: That doesn't do it like for a, me.
1: No, and, and you got to just hope. I mean, they come out of the gate. They play very inferior competition. Their first two series are against the Orioles and Tigers, who are both expected to be bad. They're going to score a lot of runs. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the scores from the last couple of days, and I know it's spring training and a lot of it's minor leaguers, and who cares. But, dude, this offense right now is absolutely un- unbelievable, and I think they plan on that being they're going to – you know, beat up on bad pitching and they'll win games that way. But make no mistake about it. If this team is not, this team is not winning a world series. If Luis Severino is out, like he is, he is the ace. He is one of the top three starting pitchers in the American league when he is healthy. And I don't think I'm being hyperbolic in saying that. So there is absolutely cause for concern. The Yankees also, you know, sometimes they're not the most responsible with this. I mean, they're not the Mets, thank God. But remember last year, Judge, through oh broken wrist oh he's only gonna miss three weeks he missed eight you know I think back to the Teixeira injury when he fouled the ball off his off his shin and they just said oh no it's a really bad bruise it's a really bad bruise turns out you know it was it was broken so I, I I'm I'm a little cautious but it sounds like it's May there's no structural damage so um, so we will see.
0: Yeah, man, so let's move on to the next thing. That That is depressing stuff, but listen, I, with these injuries, especially with the Yankees, I'm looking mid-May.
1: Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, remember a couple of years ago, you know, Didi missed the first month. Uh, there have been cases where very important players on the Yankees have missed the first little bit of a season and have come back. Um, and like I said, I think mid-May would be ideal because that means that they're probably winning and they don't need to rush him back.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, what do you think about Gio Gonzalez? I mean, I think he'd be he'd be better than any of the three guys that you mentioned after Hap. Ooh, I, I don't really know about that,
1: man. I think he's. I, I, I like her. I mean, based off track record, yes. Um, I like Loizaga and Herman a lot. As far as stuff is concerned, I think they're. No, I I agree with you. I
0: I like their stuff better, but just starting and having a guy that's been there before—that's the only reason why I. Yeah,
1: I think he's okay. Then, yeah, I would probably say you feel a little bit better about him there. Um, You know, you you know what you're going to get from him, and and he's pretty average. You know, he's not great, he's not bad, he's pretty much in in between. I would call him probably a poor man's J hap. Like he's consistent, but he's not as good as Hap's consistency is. Um, I still am looking at Keuchel and I don't think that, you know, they have not been tied to him in any way, but the, the thing about Keuchel is, is okay. You might have to overpay for him. Maybe you don't need him per se, but you have a lot of health question marks. I mean, CC starting this season on the injured list. Um, he's only going to miss a couple starts and then he's got his suspension. Um, but again, you're relying on guys like CC, you're relying on guys like Tanaka and Paxton who have not put together full seasons, and now this Severino thing. I don't think it's it's I don't think it's too much. Listen, if you have if you have Keuchel who stabilizes things and pitches like a good number two or three starter, I think that you're in a much better position. And and too much we've seen it so many times, dude. You can't have too much pitching, and you can't have too much good pitching.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. That's that's the truest statement for you can Gonzalez,
1: say. Yeah, Gonzalez is you feel a little better about him just based off track record than you do the other guys. But I really like Herman's stuff. I really like uh, Lalaizaga's stuff. And Sessa, Although I'm not a big fan. I know you're not either. He's had an incredible spring. So I think they're going to deploy the opener. I think they're going to go a four-man rotation, at least for the first few times around until CC comes back. They're going, to, uh, they're going to roll with an opener. You're looking at maybe a Chad Green starting a game. Or Cecil's going to make the team because he's out of options. So maybe Cecil starts, you know, maybe Green starts a game and Sessa pitches the second and the third. You know, they have a lot of different ways they could go about it. Holder could start an inning or start a game. So um, they could do that too.
0: Yeah, so let's move on to the next one, and that's another injury. And Hicks is out for at least the first week of the season. What do we think about that with a bad back?
1: Bro, this has been – the two guys they signed to extensions this offseason have been hurt.
0: Yeah, it's tough stuff. Very tough stuff. Well, you know what it
1: is? This is another one which makes me question the Seve thing. You know, like, oh, he's got back stiffness. Oh, it's a sore back. Oh, it's back spasms. Oh, now they – no no worries. He'll make opening day. He'll be fine. Three weeks later, he still isn't playing in games, and uh, he's going to miss the first couple days. And, you know, I think this is why we like the Hicks signing that – they gave him, I mean, they committed to him, which is tough to always do, but what they give him, the seven-year, 70? Like, he's making $10 million a year. It's really nothing. But he's been hurt. He's hurt all the time. I mean, he's I, he's never had a full season. When he, is, when he is healthy, he's been very good, but he's missed a lot of time over the last few years. And this is why we were clamoring for Harper. Like, when we were, you know, talking about Cash being like, You don't have too many outfielders. One is Gardner who plays all the time, but then runs down, you know, wears himself down and he's out for a while or not out, but you know, his production's gone. Then you have Hicks. Who's always hurt. We don't even need to bring up Ellsbury. We know who did arrive at Yankee camp today. Great. And then, um, (laughs) you know, Stanton, they obviously don't want being the primary outfielder. And then you've got judge. So I, I, I didn't really ever understand we have too many outfielders. Your outfield, is a lot of question marks there. So, And now Floreal, uh the Yankee top position prospect, who's having a hell of a spring, he has a fractured wrist. So he's going to miss most of the year, and that's going to delay his, development. his uh, big league time for a while. I mean, you still got Clint Frazier, but again, you know, last year was all concussions and he's missed time with an oblique strain. Like These outfielders that they have, they all have it, legitimate concerns
0: all very fragile except for I guess judge because his was kind of a freak injury
1: he got hit by a pitch and Stanton you know really doesn't have much of a history on, on the DL either he had that was nagging hamstring last year but yeah he and he had the optical
0: thing job. as well but that was getting hit by a pitch back in Miami but aside from that
1: right so I, I don't know I I it's not good I mean I think what this Hicks injury does do is it allows both Voight and and Bird to at least make the roster out of spring training because they're going to need that offense and Stan's going to probably be your everyday left fielder with Gardner sliding over to center. Um, I see, I see Fraser starting the year in triple a. So uh, one of those guys, you know, bird can play first or Voigt can play first. The other can DH. So I think they're both going to make, uh, make the roster and then we'll see, you know, which one sticks once Hicks comes back.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's a good thing. Cause they've both been raking.
1: They've had Absolutely tremendous frames in the ball. So, Yeah, I mean, yesterday, or or, yeah, yesterday, I mean, Voight, the Yankees had a split squad day, so part of the team was in Sarasota playing the Orioles, and the other part was in Clearwater playing the Phillies, and it was like, Voight went deep, news broke of that one, it was a bomb, and then like, an inning later, Bird hits an opposite field, line drive, just beautiful swing, uh, home run to left and so both guys are playing really well it looks like they're both healthy and in a good state of mind and it's been a friendly competition and we'll see what happens but it's a good problem to have that means that one of them hasn't fallen on their face and and they both uh and they've both been healthy
0: yeah finally a good problem to have but that that pretty much wraps this one up so we'll be back with our uh, march madness pod which i'm really excited about st john's winning the championship so Oh my god, no. But yeah, that one pretty much wrapped this one this uh that pot up. So hope you guys enjoyed and um I guess go St. John's. Go St. John's, I
1: guess. Take care guys